sitting with this exploring James theme, and we've been hearing from different ones. And uh, you know, it's it's really has James is one of the most amazingly practical books in all the New Testament, and it has to do with the idea of of faith that can actually be applied to real life. And so, it should meet us where we really are in terms of how we're just living our everyday lives. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing around. I'm, I'm talking. I want to talk about active wisdom. I want to talk about how God might want us to grow in our capacity to apply his wisdom into some of the challenging and complex places of our lives. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to sit with that. But I'm going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to just ask God to just bless our time together. And, you know, Lord, we're here together. And, um, and we, think, we thank you for uh, just your amazing goodness and grace, Lord. And, um, you know, there probably is not a one of us here that doesn't have something that we feel is, is a challenge to us right now. We, you know, just the way life is, we face things. Some of us, it might be at our work or, or it might be, be things that are happening in our family or some of our key friendships that we've been thinking about. But a lot of times, some of the most challenging places, Lord, is stuff going inside of us, right? Inside of us. And we're trying to work through things. I want to ask for you to just fill us as we share together here. I want to welcome your presence. You know what we need. You know where we are. You know our story. Um, and you know the things that we're afraid of that oftentimes cause us to react in ways that um, are actually destructive and harmful and certainly not, not as, as, you know, sort of positioned to be able to just move forward in life. We, we get cr crippled sometimes by things, beaten down, Lord. And so I want to ask for you to just to be near to us, to bless us, to, to let your word inspire us. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, God. Let it be. Now, all of us here, you know, as we come to this book of James, I'm going to return back to the opening of the book of James. Uh, you know, we've been hearing from a lot of different people, sure, from the passages that are there, and I'm going to be doing that again as well. We've got other ones coming this summer. But if you recall, some of you who were here when we opened up the, the summer series, I started with this, this you know, uh, opening piece of the letter of James, and we talked about who James was. He was the half-brother of Jesus. We talked about how he had not been a believer and how he had, after the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus, you know, all of a sudden became a totally committed follower of Jesus to the point where he emerges as the leader of the early church of Jerusalem. We also know the church had suffered a tremendous amount. Many of the people had been scattered, persecuted. They were um, ostracized from their community. But James, um, when he opens up his letter, he is so uh, careful about not wanting to bring any... Um, you know, sort of self-glory that he actually goes in the opposite direction and just doesn't even, he totally ignores the fact that he's in any way related to Jesus. Uh, and he, he refers to himself in a very stark way. Look at what it says here. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish, Jewish believers who are scattered abroad. The early church was predominantly Jewish, um, almost all Jewish actually. And again, they had been suffering persecution and they had to leave and, and uh, basically run for their lives. They had suffered. Many of them had lost their possessions. Uh, some of them um, lost things that they could never recover. And so he's writing this letter as kind of an encouragement. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when, when troubles come your way, and they had felt those troubles, and the nature of life is that we do at times experience troubles. When troubles come your way, and he makes this remarkable statement, he says, I want you to actually to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And then he says emphatically, so let it grow 
it's, it's a tremendous statement. It's like he's saying, I want you to be a kind of follower of the Lord that is capable of walking through the most challenging places and having a, a, enough depth in your life with God that you're so rooted and entrenched that you really can withstand any kind of testing, any kind of disappointment, any kind of turning against your kids. Again, they were being persecuted. And he's having to address that. And he says, I want to challenge you to think about it in a different way. I want you to see this as an amazing opportunity to prevail, to grow, to be formed. I want you to see it as an opportunity for growth. That is a huge paradigm shift. Most of the time, when you and I are experiencing trouble, what we want is God to show up and end the trouble. And he is saying, I, I want to talk to you about how to walk through this well. And that's a very different thing. And he's saying there is a unique blessing that God has that is available only to those, really, who desperately need his wisdom. And that, you know, I've read this fifth verse that we're about to look at many, many times. I've often used it just as a standalone. Some verses are very inspiring. We just take them out, and we look at them, and we claim them, and, and, and we we'll sort of disconnect them from the context of how, where, they, where they were written, right? James 1.5 is one of those verses. Look what it says. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, look at that fifth verse, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Again, a lot of times I, I use this verse and I say, this is a verse that reminds us that if we don't know what to do, we should just ask God to help us, right? And that is a true statement. And, and yet what James is actually getting at is he's getting at even something slightly different. I mean, he's, he's saying, look, I, I, want to, I want to talk to you about how God can give us wisdom when we're in the middle of a really tough place, not so much to escape it, but how to grow through it. It's very different. And then he goes on again, back to verse three. He says, so, you know, I want you to know that when your faith is tested, your endurance is a chance to grow. That word endurance, it's in the original language in the Greek, it, it's hupomone. That word is about steadfastly overcoming. It's sometimes translated patience that is waiting with an expectation. Okay, listen to what he's not saying. He's not saying, hunker down and wait this thing out and just, just get through it. Whatever you have to do, get through it. You know, he's saying, actually, I want you to think about this as an opportunity to prevail, to grow, to, to actually let the joy of God and the power of God work in your life in a way that was not even possible before. They, I want you to learn how to get through this, yes, to defeat it, to overcome it, to prevail through it. It's about, it's about actually flourishing in tough times. It's about how to not just survive, which is a legitimate goal sometimes in our lives. I'll be honest. There's been a couple of key patches where, for me, victory was survival. Right? I just, can I just survive? But I know this, that God has a plan often that is sometimes we're saying, take it away, take it away, and God's saying, I want to do something else. What James is getting at here, and I'll just, just kind of note it, is that he's saying the wisdom of God is designed to get us to a place where we're able to face anything. It's so resilient, it's so tough, and it's at work in our lives. Okay, does that mean there aren't times when we can ask God for stuff? No. I do it all the time. The Bible's filled with examples. Think about the, one, of the, one of the ones that we, we often quote, Jesus, when he said this in, in Matthew 7, 7. He said, look, I want you to ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Those are the words of Jesus. Now, do you see the degrees of intensity there? Asking, seeking. Not, asking is one thing. Seeking is with a higher degree of intensity. I'm looking for something. No, 
knocking. It's like, come on, Lord, help me. Right? This is great. Then, and I've saw, clearly, Jesus is inviting us to ask him when we need help. There's also, of course, this wonderful, amazing verse in Philippians 4 that I have used a number of times as a point of encouragement, a magnificent promise, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but in everything, you know, be anxious for nothing because we get this about don't worry about, don't get just locked up with worry and anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let that grip you. All the things that lock us up in our minds, we get afraid of things, start worrying about things, we anticipate the worst. Um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that is, humbly make your appeal to God, you know, with thanksgiving. Let him know your heart. Let your requests be made known to him. And what he says will happen is the peace of God will, will come and it will like settle you in your heart and in your mind. You know that so much of our war and our battles and our troubles is right up here. So it, as a person thinks, so they are. How many times do we start envisioning things? We start worrying. We start getting either angry, fearful. We stop being creative. We, we start to start worrying about things that we shouldn't be worrying about. We, we get filled with a lot of just angst in our heart and it starts to show up in ways we're not sleeping. We're, 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 getting, we're more prone to falling into destructive habits, self-destructive stuff, getting ourselves into places we shouldn't even be. It's not healthy. We don't even want to be there. But we're, we're, honestly, we're afraid. I've met people. Well, I've, I've said this before, but um, people who were very close to me, someone was very close to me when I was growing up, who, who, when he would get scared, he got angry, out, and, and, and it showed up. Didn't know how to handle his fear, and so it would show up in anger. But it took me a while to figure out that what it really was is he was afraid. And the Lord wants to teach us not to be afraid of things, not to be anxious, not to be unhealthy. You know? Anyway, what I'm saying is we're welcome God welcomes us to ask him for help. Lord, I need help here. Lord, I need a breakthrough here. Lord, I need a provision. Lord, would you open that? Look, Lord, I'm going to put my resume. Will you give me this? I, I'm asking you to help me. Will you give me this job? I would love to have it, Lord. I pray. I, Lord, would you help my friend? Um, they're getting a mess. Lord, I pray you help them. Be with us. So we were invited to ask God. But you know what? James actually is not saying, you know, uh, this is great. We can do this. We should do this. There are times where we need God to deliver us. But you know what James is saying? I'll just put this up. This is what I hear James saying. That God, that there are times, okay, just hear it out. There are times when God is less interested in delivering us out of something. He's less concerned about changing our circumstances than he is about changing us through them. He's the master poet. He's the sculptor. He's the artist. He works in our lives. And I look at this and I see, you know, James isn't saying, okay, this is what you guys need to do. Ask God to show you how to escape. He says what you need to do. Because think about it. All they, were, all they were doing is trying to fall. He's saying what you want to do is ask God to fill you with wisdom so you will know how to negotiate this difficult place that you are in right now in a way that is life-giving and wise. We're talking about the wisdom of God, he says. Let him fill you so that you will know what to do, but even more than that, that's why we call it active wisdom. Not that you will just know what to do, but that you will have the capacity to implement that in a real tangible way. There's some of us who are very good at knowing what we should do, but we have a hard time actually doing it. 
And it, I often t I tell people, you know, for me, it comes down to like these three A's sometimes. I call it triple A plan, right? And um, I said, hey, can you guys stick this up there for them? And it, it's just kind of my way of looking through things when I'm trying to ask, um, engage God's wisdom in my life, because that can sound like a very, it's a, it's a lofty goal. How do I do that? How do we do that? Well, sometimes God's wisdom requires us to make a, an adjustment, or what I call an alignment issue, all right? So sometimes our lives are a need to, you know, sort of like if my, if my back's out, you know, I need, sometimes we're going to need to get that thing back into a right place so the blood can flow properly, right? Because I'm out of alignment. Maybe, I'm, we're, maybe we've got our priorities. We're sort of slipped into some places. Maybe there's some things we need to stop doing that, we're, that are kind of not life-giving to us. They're, they're actually hindering our life with God. I mean, it's not like they're like, you just, you know, sometimes they're big things, but sometimes they're just little things that we've just allowed to get in there and we sort of drop back into habits. Sometimes God might say, you know, you need to adjust that. That, that for, for, for something to flow of my wisdom in your life, you're going to need to spend actually more time with me. You need to re-engage my word. You're gonna, you, I, I want you to spend some time with me. I want you to talk. I want you to read my words. I want you to let my words inform you. I want you to have um, relationships where you can talk about my ways. Maybe some of us at times need to re-engage relationally. Um, we always talk about, and that second A, which is accountability, so there's adjustment, there's accountability. Um, accountability to me is huge. You know how many times I've, uh, I've, it's been so huge in my life, I'm just speaking to myself right now, as not pastoratary, as a follower of Jesus, where it was so important and huge that I had other people in my life to strengthen my hand. Oh, that's, it's a phrase, it's a way of saying to help me keep the commitments in my heart to the Lord that I really want to commit but feel weak about. The value of accountability is that when we have other people brought into our life, it strengthens our capacity to follow Christ. It's the reason why Jesus started his ministry with a small group. Think about it, it was 12. And then, because the small group allows us to have the, the potential to build really good relationships. So oftentimes, out of a small group, we have friendships that emerge that are extraordinarily, extraordinarily life-giving to us. Oftentimes, the wisdom of God is mediated through another. The Bible says, in the book of James, confess your fault one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There are some things in our lives that, that on our own, they, they will defeat us. But when we bring someone in, and I'm, I'm talking about the value of a trusted relationship, where there is genuine love and a support and a common desire to pursue the way of Jesus. There is so much healing in life in having a few people that we can share our heart, our fears, pray for one another, share, share our concerns, our struggles, yes, our sins, pray for forgiveness for one another, breakthrough of things. We might sense we're falling into patterns of behavior that we saw modeled, some of us. We sense that that's so easy for us. Where does that come from? It's like I'm doing the very things I didn't, I, I didn't even, I, I never wanted to do, and it's in me to want to, you know, where is that? That's the power of accountability. Hey, let's stay in this together. Let's believe for God to get the power, of, the wisdom of God comes to, and then, uh, then I'll, I'll throw a third A in, triple A, remember? Attitude, huge, huge. Um, I try to get around people who have attitudes that are, for the most part, leaning into faith and optimism because I need it, because I tend to be prone. I'm, I tend towards realism, which could also be defined as negativity, I suppose. I don't know. Um, you know, my first you know, reaction is, you know, not always just, oh, it's all going to work out. I, that's not how I think. And so a lot of times, though, the Lord wants us to trust him. 
And sometimes our attitudes can get really out of whack. We start, well, we're, things aren't going well for us. They're not going the way, God's not showing up for us the way we wanted him to. Um, th- so you know what? We're not happy. And sometimes we get really angry. We're walking around. Um, we're irritated with people. We're, we're, some of us can get bitter. Right? Just bitter, kind of like just ugly. We're saying things. We're not owning our words. We're just being reckless with them. Usually with, they show up even most with the people that we feel closest to because after all, you know, somehow that gives us more freedom to be ugly. That is not the way of the Lord, by the way, for any of us. It's amazing how that is. We are to be a people of blessing. The wisdom of attitudes matter, how we think about it. So James is going in this, he's talking about, look, go back to verse 5 with me real quick, though. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I mean, you know what I see here? God, God, basically what James is saying is God is on our side. He is with us. He is amazingly generous. I'll just put that up as the second thought there, is that when God gives his gifts, number two here, he, gives, he doesn't do it to manipulate us. He does it because he delights to do it, because he is a giving God. He, he gave us himself. He gave his only begotten son. I mean, he gives everything. He won't, he, James, is, is, it's great what he's saying. You know, I love the, the fact that God is so generous. And when I meet people who are generous, I often, you know, I've met people who have a lot, of, a lot and, and uh, one of the things I've, I admire is that they're generous with what they have. I've met people who have much, and they are bound up with a scarcity mentality, the fear of never having enough. I've met people who have very little, and they're afraid too. I've met people who have very little, and they are extraordinarily generous, to the point sometimes where I want to say, don't do that. But then I realize they are just as much a right to use their gift of generosity as anybody does. And I receive it with gratitude and humility. And my point is, is that God is generous. I think, listen, um, I'll give you an example. Saturday night, I was uh, getting ready for the service, and I was just checking my email. I got an email from a pastor here in the city, someone who I had known, have known now for almost a decade, maybe more, actually. I can't remember the exact. Anyway, I, I, I knew I met him when he came into the city. He's been here for a while. He sent me an email. You know, this guy, he is one of the most generous people, not necessarily with his, his, his money. I, I don't know that. But what I know is he is so generous with his words. Have you ever met people who just are really generous and life-giving and they bless and they, they, they speak life? When you walk out of that conversation, you feel better about, about life, about God. It's not, you do, some conversations come out of and we don't feel that way. Uh, I mean, it's like, wow, oh, man, that took a lot out of me. Others we come out of and we're just feeling a lot. He's one of the guys that, that I haven't found. I go, man, you are an amazingly generous person in your praise, in your kindness. I love that. Your faith. I said, your faith inspires me to want to follow God better. I've walked, watched him walk through really hard things, and he's like, God is, God is just going to show up in an amazing way. Now, for me, that was really good. Now, he sent me an email. Remember, I'm going to read it to you. I'll read it to you. I brought him. This is what he said, all right? Now, it was, he was turning 60. I didn't know that. And uh, he, he said, now, I wasn't expecting what he was going to write. So I'm thinking, oh, he's just letting me know he had his birthday. That's good. I'm glad he let me know that. I appreciate that, right? He says, well, hi, Terry. Well, today is the last of many good days in my 50s. I said, hmm, okay. Oh, Mar, I didn't know that, bro. Okay. On Sunday, July 21st, I'll be celebrating with my church family the astonishing fact that I've turned 60 years of age. And I'm looking forward to entering a new adventure filled 
if not a little more distinguished season of my life. Oh, that's great, Mark. Uh, I just said his name. Uh, that's great, brother. I'm so happy for you, right? And then he caught me off guard. Instead of receiving birthday wishes, I'm sending you my best wishes and my deepest appreciation. I'm not going to read this just because it makes me look good. All right, I'm re I just read it. All right, so please believe me when I say that. All right, deepest appreciation because you have in many ways shaped and influenced me to become a better person. I've learned from you, been inspired by you, have grown because of you. I honor you for your investment you've made in helping, helping me be much more than I could have become without you. You believed in me, prayed for me, shared part of my life with me in wise and caring ways. God made sure our paths intersected at just the right time. Thank you. I feel like the celebration should be totally reversed and that God would reward you for all you've done for me. Much love and appreciation to you. This was his birthday. This was his birthday. And he completely flipped it out and turned it into generosity, saying words that were far more of a blessing than they were probably even real, right? But I, what I was stunned by, because I wasn't expecting it, was his concept of generosity with the blessing. He took it and he turned it around. He was so generous with his words. And I thought about what God says to us. You know, when he's looking at that, it says, it says, James says, when you come to God asking him for wisdom, he's so generous. He's not going to like, look what it says here. He's not going to rebuke you for asking. Have you ever been around someone when you ask them for, someone you respected and you ask them and, and they like just laid into you? You know, I was thinking about my kids. They're older now. Um, they're all starting into their lives. Now they're getting to that place where they're going to make decisions that are going to have huge impact. You know, when you're younger, you're still kind of gui being guided. And I thought, you know, if they, when they come and they have started to at different times, coming to me for, wisdom, for some counsel or some, some, hey, what do you think I should do about this, Dad? Or what's your, what do you think this means? Or I've been thinking about this. You know what? I, I love them. I, I want them to flourish. I want them to be blessed. For me personally, I want them to, as much as possible, avoid major um, detours in life. Because you know what? A lot of us know this. We can make a bad call. It can set us back a decade. All right? God's amazingly redemptive. But we get to places we don't exercise godly wisdom. We make poor choices. We have a wrong attitude. And it sends us down a road, a path, that ends up costing us or, and people we love greatly. The point is, I'm trying to say, so I don't want you guys to, I want you guys to be blessed. I don't want you to make some mistakes. Even that I've made, if I can be of any way a blessing to you, I want to do that. If I can give you any insight on it, I will give what I have. Um, I love you. Your life is what I want to see blessed by God. It matters to me. Um, that is very important. And my heart, in some ways, it means more to me than anything you'll ever achieve is that you have a love for Christ that guides you all the days of your life. If you have that, that means more to... And so I'm saying that because here I am, as Jesus put it, an imperfect father wanting to do the best for my children. How much more, Jesus said, does God want to do this for us? He says, if we, with our contradictions and brokenness impacted by sin as we are, <laughs> not always doing things right. If we have this love in us and this desire to give when we're asked, how much more does God? That's the point. He wants to guide us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that with absolute conviction because I know that when the Lord gives, he doesn't give, give for any other reason than he just wants to bless us with more of who he is. 
and he wants us to have wisdom for living. But James is getting at something more, and we'll just kind of, we'll kind of pull, pull it into this. Look at the sixth verse, and we'll just finish with this, six through eight. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So don't start like, okay, such people, he says, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That loyalty is actually a divided. It goes from here to there and between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. The older version says, you know, an unstable person, you know, uh, uh, his, someone who is of two minds, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. In other words, once we commit, just not go back and forth on that commit. Commit ourselves. Commit ourselves. Um, uh, what, what I think he's saying is don't stagger in unbelief and mistrust. If, if once we make a decision to trust God with our life, then trust him. He's saying, remember, you made that decision. The wisdom of God shows up when things are not going well. Your trust in him does not simply turn against him. You don't say, well, I'm not sure God's with me anymore. You know, because it's not going my way. I, I'm going to suggest this, and we'll put this up. This will be the last thought up there. Is that the key that the truth is that when it comes to godly wisdom is to approach God in faith with, um, how do I say it, with, with a loyalty that is committed regardless of circumstance or even outcome. How can I say this? Um, the wisdom that allows us to prevail and mature is not like a fickle, wind-driven wave. At one time I'm believing, now I'm not believing. Now I'm on, I'm really committed to Jesus, now I'm not as committed. He came through, when he comes through for me, I'm with him. When he doesn't, you know, where are you, God? Why don't you show up for me? When things are going well, yes, bless his name. When things are not going well, I don't know. I don't know, you know, sometimes I wonder. You know, God, if you really love me, you would do this for me. Where are you? He's saying that's not, that that type of faith, that type of faith won't get anywhere in the final. It's just going to always have problems. You know, I've met a lot of people because things don't always make sense on this side completely. There's been things, look, in my life, I go, why do you take this person, Lord? Why'd you take them home? I I didn't want them to go. They have so much left to contribute. But Lord, I'm not going to, what do I know? Lord, why does this happen? Why did this person get a diagnosis here? Well, why isn't this person being blessed? Well, why are you letting this happen to me? Why isn't that person's prayer being answered? They're lonely. Bless them, Lord. Do you see the quality? Uh, Can you hear me? Sometimes we get stuck. How can I say this? I've known people who got stuck in the why. And they never got out. They just got stuck right there. Their faith got stuck in the why. I need to know why. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why? They get stuck right there. And some of, some of them never get out of there. They're stuck in the why. I, I go, Lord, don't remind me that I will never, there's a lot of things I'm never going to get. I'm, if I'm all, look, what was James writing to? He was writing to people who believed in Jesus and they were suffering. He would die for his faith. Where's that? What is that? Where's God? The wisdom, this, the, Paul finished it and he said this, and this is the last verse. I've been saying this, the last of the last. Okay, this, this is the last of the last. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. 
Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. You ever seen a cloudy mirror? That's when when you look at it, you kind of like it's kind of old. Sometimes you go into a station in a public restroom somewhere, and some of them have been like graffitied, or they're sort of over time, they've lost their ability to reflect a true image. So you look at them, you can kind of see some, some of them are even metal. They're really, you can't barely see anything, right? You're looking at it, no clear image there. It's like a shape. Paul says, now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial right now, and it's incomplete. My best knowing is only partial. But then I will know everything completely on the other side, just as God knows me. Wow. Just as God, just as God knows me completely, I will know. But between now and then, not everything will make sense. And if that is the condition to following him, you will have a hard time. I will follow you, Lord, because I know you love me. You gave everything for me, and you have a place for me to grow. You have wisdom to give me. You have an opportunity, even in the worst of situations, to allow me to flourish. By your grace, I will. I will be afraid of nothing. I will trust you. Help me to do so, Lord. In all things, when I'm blessed, I will bless you. And in the difficult times, by your grace, I will remain loyal to you. In everything, I've learned to abound, and I've learned to abase that you be glorified in everything, Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words. Words are words of life, words of blessing. Um, I thank you for your wisdom. I, pray, I know we live in a complex world, Lord, and I know we have all have complex things going on in our lives, and some of us from our, our past, our family patterns, our ways that we've sort of been living our lives, and it's just, Lord, we, we need you to do some new things. You use sometimes, I thank you, Lord, that sometimes you lose, use, use a mini crisis in our, or a crisis in our life um, or a transition place in our life to create a possibility for some, some new season of expansive growth in our faith and in our life with you. And I just want to ask you, Lord, to do the things in us that you want to do. Help us to grow in true wisdom that can be activated in real ways in our lives when the heat is on. And that we would learn how to flourish in the good, but especially, Lord, when it's not so good. I ask for your blessing. Bless us as a community as we seek to follow you. Bless our, our, bless our time of giving. Bless this closing song. Let it be a benediction. We offer this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.